take a sip because I've been taking cough medicine and my mouth's drying up. Have you ever heard the term, a picture is worth a thousand words? We've all heard that term. In, in the, in the um, living room of my mother-in-law's house is a Norman Rockwell picture. And every time I go to the house, I look at it and I just stare at it because it tells an entire story. And this is the picture on the screen. That little guy's getting ready to get shot in the butt. And he's checking out to make sure the doctor's credentials <laughs> are adding up. A picture is worth a thousand words. I love all the Norman Rockwells. I could look at them forever. And uh, I would suggest go online and look at some of his stuff. It's just absolutely uh, incredible, the American history that's involved in that. And so you look at the picture, what, what do you see? You don't need to say anything. No words needed. The picture says it all. We all know how powerful, a powerful truth. Words matter. Words carry meaning. Words have impact. We've all felt the impact of positive and negative words in our lives. We felt the impact of a word that was spoken to us as a child. And through the years, unfortunately, we believed that word. Maybe it was a negative word, maybe it was a positive word, but we believed that word and it carried meaning and it carried impact in our lives, sometimes to the negative, sometimes to a fault. I've often been amazed at, at how people, as I prayed with people that have kept the labels that were given to them as children right on into their adult lives where maybe somebody, when they were younger, had ridiculed them or had, 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 had uh, labeled them and we believed it. Maybe even to this day, and we shouldn't have believed it, right? We shouldn't have believed it. On the positive side, maybe some of you remember your grandfather or your grandma or your mom or your dad saying, well, you have a beautiful singing voice and you sound like an angel and we believed it and we hang on to it and we shouldn't have hung on to that either. <laughs> my father-in-law had told my wife when she was a little girl that she sounded like Barbara Streisand and she believed it. She still hasn't been singing yet, though. I haven't gotten her to sing. Words have meaning. Words have power. Today, we're going to look at two very powerful statements as I work through this story out of the uh, scriptures this morning. They're made from two different people. One name you will recognize and one name you will not recognize. It's really, he's not named at all in the Bible. He's just a dude. He's just a guy in the Bible. The other name you will recognize when I say it. And their words would change history for the nation of Israel at that time and place that this story takes place. And I believe the words of God can be life-changing for us as individuals today, but also for us as a church and as a corporate body of Christ today. So here's the backstory. Israel is in trouble. They were in conflict with the Philistines. The Philistines were a constant sore sight to them. They were a thorn in the flesh constantly to them. And, and there's this big story Two, two big mountain ranges, and in between the mountain range is a steep, is a ravine and a valley below. And Israel's on one side of the valley, and the Philistines are on the other side of the valley. And they were, Israel was down to 600 warriors. All of this, and, and guess what? The 600 warriors 
They only had a few swords. Do you know why they only had a few swords? Because all the Philistines were blacksmiths and they wouldn't make swords and repair swords for the Israelites. So they're down to just a few swords. The, 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 the Israeli army is so uh, afraid that they're bailing out, they're running, they're hiding, and only 600 Israeli warriors are showing up for the battle. Now, you can read all about this in 1 Samuel chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. I'm not gonna read any of it to you today except three or four scriptures. But you gotta go back and read the entire context of the story. Chapter 12, Saul's proclaimed king. Chapter 14, there's this, there's this power struggle with him and the prophet Samuel. And then chapter 13, chapter 14, comes this battle with his son Jonathan, who is the other player. The Israelites were demoralized. They felt defeated. They, 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 on the other side of the ravine are the Philistines who have thousands of warriors, thousands of chariots, thousands of swords, spears, and archers. And everyone knows there's a battle coming. If you grew up in the 70s, you'll remember the Thrilla in Manila. Remember that? Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Okay, I'm back to the 70s. Jonathan is the king's son. He's Saul's son, he's royalty. And he's hanging on with his, hanging out there at the battlefront with his armor bearer. He has not fleed. In fact, he kind of sneaks away from camp. And him and his armor bearer are kind of inching closer to the Philistine side of the battle. And they were going to look out and see what was going on out there. And so Jonathan says to his armor bearer, and this is the setup to the scripture and the proclamation I'm going to read you. Jonathan says to his armor bearer, hey, let's, let's wander over there a little bit and, and let's go check things out. Let's, let's show ourselves and let's see what happens. The armor bearer. He says, hey, yeah, that's, that's great. Let's roll. It's a good thing. Let's do this. I'm all in. So they climb up to the top of the ravine there, and they begin to look out over the Philistines, and the Philistines see them kind of coming closer to them, and the Philistines say, hey, come on, let's fight. So Jonathan and the armor bearer, two guys, they each had a sword, thank God. They walked down to the Philistines that were the front team for the battle, and there's about 20 Philistines, and Jonathan and the armor bearer take on 20 guys, and they beat them, they defeat them, they, beat, they knock them all down, they kill them, done, little battle over. Big battle, still gonna come. Little battle over. I mean, they're high-fiving each other, going, yeah, we told those guys, we did those guys in. Yeah, they're done. We got this. We got this. We got the Lord on our side. High-fives everywhere. They're doing the end zone shuffle. No way. Is that the end of the story? It is not. Scripture says that God sent a spirit of fear and a spirit of chaos on the enemy. And they began to turn on each other, and by the thousands, they began to kill one another out of the fear of the demonstration and the earthquake and the wind and the lightning that God had shown the, Israel, the Philistines so that, that they were so afraid that they began to fight one another, and the Philistine army was defeated by God. Great victory, great battle. God gets the victory. Jonathan and his armor bearer, the dude, sit back and they watch God bring this incredible miracle. 
God showed up. Now, that moment would have never happened had, it not, had there not been two very powerful proclamations as it led up into that particular battle. And I want to share those with you today, and I hope you can identify with one or both of these men. One proclamation was by Jonathan, one proclamation was by his armor bearer. Number one, powerful proclamation, number one. Perhaps God, perhaps God. As you study the life of Jonathan, you have to believe that God wired Jonathan this way. Perhaps God, throw that scripture up there in, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse six. Jonathan said to the young man, I gotta get over here to see this because of my eyes here. Let me see, maybe it's better over here for me. Oh, excuse me. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come. Let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised Philistines. It may be, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. I, I, I should have changed the translation there because the different NIV version says, perhaps the Lord Perhaps, instead of it may be, it said, perhaps the Lord will work for us. Perhaps God wants to do something here. Now that might resonate with some of you. You see, maybe you're a perhaps God kind of person. Maybe you see a project, you see a problem. You see a real issue going on in your life, or maybe you see a real issue going on in your family. Or maybe you see a real issue going on your job, maybe a project that you're working on or you're managing a team in your corporation or your company, and you see a problem, you see a situation, and you look at that situation and you say, you know, I wonder if God's gonna do something here. Perhaps God wants to do something through me to, to solve this problem that's taking place. Perhaps God, perhaps God wants to help us overcome this obstacle in our lives today. Now that, that, that's, that's part of what it's going because if you're a teenager today, perhaps God wants to use you on your campus when you see an injustice or you see somebody teasing another person or you see some bullying going on or some, some, some undue uh, treatment taking place and you, perhaps God wants to use you to walk up and be a friend of that person that's being ridiculed. Maybe, maybe you're, you're uh, in a relationship today and perhaps God wants to use you in that relationship either to solve that relationship issue or to solve that or to, to start that relationship again or to offer forgiveness or maybe it's a, a boyfriend, girlfriend type relationship. Maybe, maybe perhaps God is, is saying something to you about that relationship and where it is at morally and scripturally and, and spiritually and, and maybe perhaps God wants to do that. Maybe the relationship's broken and God wants to fix that relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe God's saying, you know what? Perhaps God wants to do something in your marriage relationship. Getting counseling or, or dealing with an issue or the, 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 the big elephant in the room that hasn't been dealt with yet. And you know that it needs to be done and perhaps God wants you to be the one. Maybe, maybe you're a perhaps God kind of person. 
Perhaps God wants to do something in a church. Perhaps God wants to use this church in a, in a unique way as it navigates the future. That, that and a guy like Eric comes to town 34 years ago and he says, perhaps God wants to do something in Gilroy through Eric and Carol Smith. And they begin a work and they start a little tiny work with just a handful of people. And it grows into this big work that's impacting and changing a community. And lo and behold, who would ever know that this young kid and his family decide to come to that church on a Sunday morning, plant themselves in that church because perhaps God wanted to do something in that young kid's life and his family life and he grows up to be an Isaac Serrano that's gonna future pastor this church as it navigates the future. Wow, perhaps God. Are you a perhaps God kind of person? Perhaps God thinkers in, in throughout our world have made history. I think of recent history, Dr. Martin Luther King. Perhaps God wants to use me to bring the black community and the white community back together and to be a social justice, bring some social justice to the racial discrimination that's taking place in our nation. Billy Graham was a perhaps God thinker thinking, you know, I've ministered to hundreds in tents. Perhaps God can even, I can even preach the gospel in stadiums and we can reach thousands. He would eventually preach to millions of people, sometimes in one setting. Billy Graham, Martin Luther King, I think of a dear missionary friend of mine, Pastor Mark Buntain, who's gone on to be with the Lord right now. He was in Calcutta, India, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and he saw the poverty, and he saw the, the despair, and he saw the, 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 the disease that was taking place, and the, the predominant leprosy that was taking place in Calcutta back in that day, and he said, perhaps God, perhaps God can do something here miraculously, and he built a hospital in Calcutta, India, to reach the poor and to reach the needy and to reach those that were sick. A perhaps God kind of attitude, attitude can change a destiny. It can change the life. Let's never lose that wonder that says, what's God gonna do today? Perhaps he's in this thing. Perhaps he's in the future of this church. Perhaps he's in the desire to impact other churches and other ministers and other people in the community that he's placed this church in. In my life, in the church, on my job, in my family, perhaps God. You see, when I was diagnosed with cancer in 1994, I'd been in Gilroy for two years. I was given two years to live. Leukemia at the time, CML, uh, the, the type of leukemia I had had no cure. When the doctor diagnosed me, he said, Mr. McPhail, you have two years to live. There is no medicine. We cannot do chemo. We cannot do radiation. It simply doesn't work. So good luck, basically. I had, I had a wife and I had four children, eight years old, six years old, four years old, and two years old. And I said to myself, I said, perhaps God has something in mind here. Perhaps God wants to do a notable miracle, as we read about in the book of Acts. Perhaps God wants to do a notable miracle that he might be glorified and he might be honored. Perhaps God wants to show off 
a little bit. Maybe God wants to show off through your life through whatever you might be going through right now. There's something bigger. There's always something up. There's a perhaps God moment that might save your marriage, that might restore a relationship, that can change a child's life, that can provide a job, that can work through the finances. Perhaps God makes me think of this church. Perhaps God wants to do something at South Valley. We currently live in the most unchurched region in America. The next generation millennials are now the largest people group in our uh, population. Perhaps God has raised up a Pastor Isaac, who I believe is a millennial himself, to do a work to reach the next generation. The sons of Issachar, they knew the times in which they lived and they knew what to do as a result. This staff, is a perhaps God kind of staff. You as the body of Christ at SVCC, be the church that says perhaps God wants to do something spiritually in this community to navigate change. Let's make that our prayer because the decisions we make today will determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Let's make the kind of decisions that perhaps God people would like to make. Number two, powerful proclamation. Number two, somebody's gotta wave at me or come up and tackle me uh, to make sure I stay on time here, all right? Powerful proclamation number two is from the armor bearer, and here's what he said. He said, I am with you heart and soul. That's what he said to Jonathan. When Jonathan said, come on, it was, Jonathan, it reminded me of Braveheart. Jonathan was having like a Braveheart moment. Remember Braveheart when he was going down to fight that last battle for freedom? And, and they, said, they said, William, where are you going? And William goes, I'm going to pick a fight. And Jonathan went to pick a fight, but I wonder if Jonathan would have went to pick the fight if he didn't have the armor bearer that he had just talked to say to him, hey, let's do it. I'm with you, what? Heart and soul, because here's the deal. It's what his armor bearer said after Jonathan said, perhaps God, that we've got to get. Next verse. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, Jonathan. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to those men and we will show ourselves to them. Going to pick a fight. Think about this. The armor bearer's job was to keep watch over Jonathan's back. That was his job. I mean, he got paid for that. He, he supplied the means for his family and his children. He had to go into battle with Jonathan. He feared that if he didn't go into battle because most of Israel's army had fled, they were afraid, they knew they were gonna die. And, and he, he, he feared getting into trouble if he didn't do his job. I mean. Wouldn't you want want to have said, I think I'll just take a personal day off today, Jonathan. I just need a personal sick day. Yeah, you know, go for it, John. No, he didn't have to say the second part. The first part he had to say, let's go, yeah, okay. He had to do that. The second part, I'm with you, heart and soul. He didn't have to say that. He didn't have to, to, to put everything into it because that's the power, powerful part. Put yourself in Jonathan's shoes. 
He's looking at his armor bearer, and he's saying, hey, let's go show ourselves to these guys. And, 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 and Jonah said, perhaps God, but then he turns to his armor bearer, and not out of obligation, not out of fear, or, or maybe I should have took the day off today. He says, I'm with you heart and soul, Jonathan. I believe you, Jonathan. You've got this. Let's go. Now, John has total confidence Total confidence as he walks out to take the next step to achieve victory for the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. If I say, hey, you know, maybe we should you know, do something over here in Gilroy, or maybe the church should do this, or maybe we should go help this other church in town and, and, and help them grow the kingdom of God in, in their area of the church. I'm, I'm telling you, if somebody says I'm with you, heart and soul, pastor. It's like, okay, game on, let's go. Let's do it, let's roll. I believe in you, we got this. Jonathan has the confidence to make the next step. We can do this, his armor bearer said to him. You see, your leaders, Pastor Isaac, and, and, and elders and staff of this church, your leaders need to be the kind of heart and soul people so when you come up with a wild idea, they could say either you ate too much pizza last night or let's go, let's do it. Heart and soul, we're with you. That's leadership, that's submission to leadership, that's supporting the vision of the church. Some of you that are here today, you're, you're heart and soul kind of people. You resonate with the armor bearer. You're a, you see a problem, you see a hurt, and you see a need in somebody's life, and your heart and soul says, I can get involved and I can help this person. Someone shares a prayer request. A perhaps God person tries to fix it. A perhaps God person says, well, you ought to do A, B, C, or D, but a heart and soul person says, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I'm gonna carry this burden with you until God answers. We, you, us, the body of Christ, the church, we are the armor bearers. The church is the armor bearers of the gospel. We're following the work of the leadership that God has set up in the local church. We're following the work of the Holy Spirit. We're following the work of Christ in our community who is our captain and who is our leader. And, and we're all working together. We're the, the ecclesia, the, the called out ones. We've been called out for nothing. No, we've been called out for a purpose. We've been called out for a journey that has a destination, that has an end. The decisions we make today will determine the stories we tell tomorrow. So perhaps God people help make decisions. Heart and soul people said, let's go, let's roll. We can achieve the vision and the dream. 34 years ago, Pastor Eric had a dream. He had a vision. He had an idea of what God can do in a little town in Gilroy back in 1984. And he pursued that vision. He, and, and the church supported that vision and, and because they were the heart and soul behind him as he went. And now to the pastors and the elders that are here today to continue the vision. Continue the vision. God's gonna raise up a, 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 an idea and a vision and a purpose for this church that's gonna take them into the next generation to reach their generation for Christ and we are the heart and soul and the support of that vision. God's gifted you heart and soul to build a work that will with other churches with other churches, I learned a long time ago that we're not gonna reach the city by ourselves. All the churches need to grow. 
All the churches need to be dynamic. All the churches need to be reaching out to that part of the community. God gave me a vision 25 years ago here in Gilroy to try to reach 10% of the community. That's a lot of people. But I thought this, I thought, Lord, that's a lot of people. I said, Lord, maybe I should pray that all of the churches reach 10% of the community. And if all of us do our 10%, and another one does their 10%, and I do mine, and Isaac does his, and, 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 and the, 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 all the churches. <laughs> maybe, maybe, perhaps God, with other churches we can reach a community with this incredible message of hope and purpose. Amen? It's my challenge to you today. You see, when I had cancer and I was going into transplant, I walked into transplant in Seattle after Stanford had sent me home. They sent me home to die. They said, listen, you got three months, maybe six months to live. You better get your house in order. There's nothing we can do. You're done. 1999, uh, January of, 90, uh, no, 1998. You're done. And so we went home. We called the place in Seattle. They said, hey, Stanford's right. You're done. But we'll try it. We'll try a life-saving bone marrow transplant on you. If you can live for six more months, we'll try to locate a donor, a non-relative. I, I was raised in foster homes, boys' institutions, and, and I have no relatives. I have no blood matches, nothing. They said, maybe we can find a partial match, but we'll give you 30% that you might want to survive that, that you might survive that. I was scared, frightened. I had all these little kids in my family. I felt like the Lord said, Malcolm, I'm with you. Take courage. Take courage. I'm with you. When we got to the hospital the day of the transplant, on February 1st, 1999, or March 1st, I can't remember now. February 1st, it's called chemo brain. Have any of you had chemo? It's called chemo brain. You just don't remember everything anymore like you used to. At least that's our excuse. Somebody, random person, as I walked into the hospital, they greeted us as we were coming out of the elevator, and I said hello to them, and they said hello to me and welcomed me to the ninth floor of the Swedish Medical Center in downtown Seattle, and, and, and he looked at me and said, hey, you're gonna do fine. You know what? That was heart and soul. He said, hey, I'm with you, heart and soul. You're gonna do fine. I needed that. And I said, okay, game on, let's go. And off we went. And 56 days later or something, some guy from Gilroy flies up there and wheels me out by the grace of God. Heart and soul, perhaps God. Real quick, real quick. How many of you um, are perhaps God kind of people? Just slip your hand up, I'm just curious. Perhaps God kind of people. Okay, okay, yeah. How many of you are heart and soul kind of people? You're not a perhaps God, but boy, you're gonna come up and cry with them and support them and help them and fight with them, whatever. Yeah, it's always about 50-50. Isn't it amazing how God wired each one of us? So what do we do about perhaps God kind of people and heart and soul kind of people? Three takeaways, you ready? I'm gonna whip through these. I have no idea how much time I have, but I'm just gonna keep going. I want you to do three things as we, as we wrap this up. I want you to lean into it, but I don't want you to lock into it. Lean into it, but don't lock onto it. If you're perhaps God guy, then lean into it, but maybe you also need a little bit of heart and soul. 
You see, you're always gonna naturally lean towards being a perhaps God kind of person, but you can't lock onto every opportunity that comes your way because every opportunity is not necessarily a God opportunity. Don't lock onto it. Just lean into it. Because that's exactly what Jonathan did. He leaned into this perhaps God thought, but what did he do? He turned to his armor bearer and said, hey, what do you think? Perhaps God. We must be led by the Holy Spirit when we are making perhaps God kind of decisions. Heart and soul people, you don't always have to attach yourself to somebody. Lean into your gift, but don't lock onto it. Number two, look and listen. Look and listen. First, champ, first um, uh, I'm not gonna read that scripture yet. I think Jonathan was looking for a chance to say, you know what, maybe God wants this to happen. What does that say? Look and listen. It literally means this, pay attention. Pay attention, the Holy Spirit resides in you. The Holy Spirit wants to be your counselor, he wants to be your helper, he wants to be your comforter, and he wants to be your advocate. He wants to show you when you turn left and when you turn right. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says that Jesus said to the disciples, I am leaving, but somebody just like me is coming, and he will show you all that you should do. If you go into the Greek language in that particular passage in John 14 and John 16, you will see that Jesus was saying, the Holy Spirit will be just like me. It will be just as if you're walking with me. I will send you another helper or another comforter, it says in John 14, and he will be just like me, just as we are walking down the, the, the dusty roads of Israel right now, teaching and preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit will walk alongside of you just like I'm here in the flesh, but you will have him in the spirit in your life. Lock on, if you're gonna lock on to something, make sure you hear from the Holy Spirit the direction that you are supposed to do. Pay attention to the still small voice in your life. Pay attention to that whisper the whisper of the Spirit in your life as you begin to move forward in the vision and the mission of this church. So Jonathan is giving space. He's giving space to this. Look what it says in John 14. Behold, we will cross over to the, to the men and we will show ourselves to them. Next verse. If they say to us, he's, he's, he's creating space here, if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go up to them. Next verse. Oh, I'm, that's it. And we will not, what's he saying? He's giving space. He's giving space. That maybe it's God, maybe it's not. He's paying attention. He's looking and he's listening. He's giving God space to say, good idea, Jonathan, but not a God idea. There's a big difference, right? Good idea, but not a God idea. Number three, last one, learn from others. Lock onto it, lean into it, don't lock onto it, look and listen. Lastly, learn from others. We can learn all kinds of stuff from other people. I've been learning from Isaac as if we've had lunches together and we serve on a leadership team together. I've been learning things from him and the people that we are surrounded by in our, in our continued quest to see things happen in South County. Jonathan was also a heart and soul with David. He's, with his boss, future king, King David, Jonathan would be a heart and soul guy to him. And he would say to David many times, David, do what you need to do. I'm with you. 
Do what you need to do. New pastor, new staff, new passion, new vision, new direction for this church. It's so important. How about small groups? What takes place in small groups? If you're not, it's our hope that everybody will be involved in a small group. It's so important for this reason. Why? Because in your small group, you will meet perhaps God kind of people. And in your small group, you will meet heart and soul kind of people. We need both in our lives if we're gonna continue to grow. Lastly, we can learn from the stories of other believers who attend the church that you're fellowshipping with. We can learn from them. We can hear their stories. Last, I'm all done, I promise. Last story. I came to Gilroy in 1991. I was hired in December of 1991 uh, as the senior pastor. But it was after the third phone call. The first phone call I got was in 1988 to come to Gilroy. I had never even known Gilroy was here. I didn't even remember that I had driven through it several times on the way to Santa Cruz from the valley, from Modesto. I forgot completely about it. You can drive right through this town back then, 30 years ago, and not remember it. And just want to get to Santa Cruz, right? And I get a call from Pastor Pike Robinson. You remember Pike? Pastor Pike Robinson, he says, hey, he goes, my youth pastor, my youth pa- and, and the youth pastor had called me, and he said, Malcolm, you would be a good fit in Gilroy. I said, yeah, but I, I don't know. He goes, I'll pray about it. I'll pray. So I prayed about it. The pastor calls me, and I prayed about it, and I said, you know what? I think my next step is not going to be a youth pastor. I think my next step is going to move into a more adult ministry. I want to teach a little bit more, and I want to disciple a little bit more on an adult level, and, and, and I want to work in that direction. So I said gracefully in 1988, you know what? I think I'm going to pass. I'm not going to consider the youth ministry position in Gilroy in 1988. Then in 1990, I'm serving as a singles pastor and a discipleship pastor in Santa Rosa, California. And I get a phone call from Gilroy. He said, Mr. McPhail, uh, Pastor Malcolm, would you consider, would you consider um, coming and interviewing with us for the position of senior pastor? Well, it turns out Pike Robinson had left they got, an, uh, and, I, and, and, and they wanted to know if I would replace Pike Robinson. And, and I said, you know what? I said, I just got to Santa Rosa in 1989. I said, I just pioneered this single group. We're running like 150 singles. It just took off. And, and I have to set up leadership. I've got to set up elders. I've got to set up discipleship plans to get all these people discipled. They were coming off the streets. All kinds of stuff was happening. And, and, and I just respectfully said, you know what? It's the wrong time. I know someday I'm going to senior pastor. It's just not right now. That was 1990. Then I get a call halfway through 1991 in like August of 91, a year later. And they said, Mr. McPhail, we're from, uh, Pastor, we're from uh, Gilroy calling, and we'd like to know if you're interested in interviewing for the job of senior pastor. I said, well, what happened? You called me a year ago. He said, oh, we got a guy. He only lasted six months. I don't know if you even met that guy. He only lasted six months. Just wasn't a good fit. I said, okay. Uh, Kath, Gilroy's on the phone. Third time. In four years, perhaps God might want us to go to Gilroy. I'm so glad Kathy was heart and soul. And we packed up and we moved to Gilroy. I'm still praying she would continue to be heart and soul in Gilroy. 
packed up, moved to Gilroy. About a year later, I start, uh, several years later, I start mentoring pastors and, uh, um, throughout our, our Assembly of God district. We have 450 churches in the Assemblies of God district of the Northern California, Nevada district of the Assemblies of God. I'm mentoring other pastors just about five, six years ago, and I've done it through the years for the last 30 years, and, and sure enough, one day I say I'm praying and I'm, and I'm considering the future of my life and the future of the church, and I said, you know, I wonder if God's ever gonna use us. Perhaps God wants to use me, and, and maybe God wants to use me to help other churches that need help. There's a lot of churches out there that just need help. They need another church to come alongside them and to lead and guide and, and, and comfort and, and work with them and, and get them uh, so that they don't die and they don't have to close the doors. And I said, I wonder if that's gonna happen. And then about a year and a half ago, I get a call from the district and say, hey, we got two churches in Aptos and Santa Cruz. They're really struggling. Do you think you can come alongside to help them or we're gonna have to close the doors? I said, oh, God forbid, let's, let's go check it out. Perhaps God wants to do something in your life that's gonna be life-changing and future-changing. Pastor Isaac, church family, leaders, people in church, are you having a perhaps God kind of moment? Whatever it is, share it with your pastor, share it with the leadership of the church, share it with the people around you. Maybe it's a God idea that God wants, maybe God wants you to lock onto it. Maybe you should lean into it a little bit more. Maybe he wants you to lock onto it, or maybe you just had too much pizza the night before, but just run it by the leadership of the church. Are you having a perhaps God moment? Do you need to be a heart and soul person to somebody else in the body of Christ, or somebody in our community, where you come up alongside and say, I'm with you, heart and soul, let me pray for you. Let me walk with you as you fight this battle, as you fight this burden, as you go through cancer, as you go through the loss of a loved one, as you go through the difficulties and the curveballs that life throws our way. And we're ducking and we're chucking and we're moving, trying to dodge them. We need some heart and soul people to come up alongside and walk with us. Amen. Pastor Eric and Carol walked through cancer with me. I would like to hope that I was a little bit of heart and soul for him when he battled cancer and Carol as well. And I wanna be that continually to this church as we move into the future. And I know that this church is already that to our church and that, and that together, cooperatively, we are better together, amen? Let's see if we can do that and spread that kind of love in our community. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. <laughs> Pastor Eric. Thank you, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. Bless uh, you. Enjoyed your friendship. Thank and you, Carol. Kathy. Kathy, what are you doing over there? Why don't you run on up here? It's sure Can interesting talk you into that? to um, hear how the McPhails made it to Gilroy. For those of you that saw the picture and how we got here, you noticed the VW van. We basically got in the van, filled it with gas, and said, let's see how far it can get us. <laughs> Ran out of gas in Gilroy, so we're here. Hi. <laughs> Not quite a spiritual approach to finding out where <laughs> ministry is. <laughs> that was a joke. Isaac asked us if we would uh, pray for, for the church and for the leadership, and so Carol and I wanted to do that as we close, and I uh, also want to pray for you guys, huh? You're, you're amazing, seriously. Thank you. I'm not Thank kidding. You, My little problems. You guys. <laughs> you're such an encouragement. Thank you. Blessings.
Okay, Carolyn, you want to pray for the well, I had a word picture about this church. You talked about the importance of a picture that this church, and this is my prayer, that you would be a city mm. on a hill yes, and that it wouldn't be hidden and that that light would shine. That's Father, we're asking that the yeah. light of the city is that is on a hill is represented here in the church that you have purposed to be here at South Valley Community Church. I'm asking that that light would shine. And Lord, it requires that each one here, Father, would let their light so shine that they would, their good works and their moral excellence would be seen by others and that they would glorify you. Lord, I'm asking that that would be the heritage of this place, that that hill would be raised higher, that this church's light would become brighter. Lord, that each one here would see the importance of their part in fulfilling the vision of what you've started here at South Valley Community Church. Lord, we do thank you for the McPhails and New Hope. And Lord, that they too, their church is a city on a hill. Lord, and we just ask that uh, there would be full illumination of of God's word, the gospel, coming from these places that you've established yes. here. You. For your glory, in Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. And Lord, I want to pray uh, for uh, these leaders. I want to pray for Malcolm's health. Thank you that uh, Kathy has stood by him, and sometimes that's almost more difficult than yeah. going through yeah. it yourself. So thank you, thank you for this couple. Thank you for the kids, their thank family, you, their witness, their church. Bless them in every way, Lord. And I, I pray for South Valley Community Church. Thank you for such a dedicated group of men and women that you've called to the leadership of this church, uh, from Pastor Serrano through the elders to all the staff people. Uh, I just hope the congregation here appreciates the magnitude of their commitment their desire to see your church prosper, yep. their desire to pastor each and every yeah. uh, member of this church in an effective way. We just commit this church in the next 34 years to you. Yeah. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 God bless you. With such